0: everybody. Welcome. Welcome to worship. Welcome to Schweitzer Today. It's really good to be with you. It's August. The summer is flying by, and we're going to have a fantastic day of worship. I'm Jim. I serve as the pastor here and a host for this experience, and again, it's really good to be with you. And if you're a guest, especially glad to be with you. We have a gift for you, and we'd love to send it out to you. Check in with us, and we'll send a Starbucks Uh, gift card out to you right away. So enjoy some coffee or other good stuff on us. Today, we're continuing our sermon series called The Way of Wisdom, and we're going to explore God's wisdom as a gift for us. And today, uh, we're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes. We've been in Proverbs for for weeks, and as we explore wisdom, and today, this book is so different. It's really engaging. And so you're going to uh, either love this or hate this, as Pastor Spencer will say, but you're going to be really engaged. And so I invite you to, to really lean into what God has for us today. If you'd like to go deeper into the message, we have a link, sumc.co slash next. We have sermon, discussion, questions, and so much more. So check that out as well. And now let's, uh, let's hear from Stephanie, who's going to tell us more about what's going on here at Schweitzer.
1: I'm Stephanie. Have you been visiting Schweitzer for a while and are curious to get to know us a little bit more as a church? We would love to have you join us for an in-person, all-in gathering on Sunday, August 22nd after the second service. We'll treat you to lunch, show you around campus, and get to know each other a little better. If you're interested in this event, find out more and sign up at sumc.co slash next giant inflatables, a tie-dye t-shirt station, a photo booth, face painting, outdoor games, and giveaways every 15 minutes. Sounds like a blast, doesn't it? These are just a few of the things that you can expect at our Community Outreach Back to School event that we're calling the Last Blast of Summer, coming up on August 11th from 5 to 8 p.m. Bring your friends, family, anyone you can think of and join us for this great event and outreach to our community. Also, as we're gearing up for back to school, we're collecting school supplies for the next few weeks. Find a complete list at sumc.co slash next and drop off items either in the office during the week or in the bins on Sunday mornings. A few of the items we're looking for are crayons, colored pencils, tissues, quart and gallon size Ziploc bags, and more. Look online for that list and bring items beginning next week. We're continuing to pray for all of those working in healthcare, as well as the many needs in our community right now. If you have a prayer request, share it with us at sumc.co slash prayer. Here you can find a place to share the name of a healthcare worker or share a prayer request for anyone. We're so glad you're with us this morning. Now let's continue with worship.
0: Thanks so much, Stephanie, we appreciate you. If you're watching with us live today, we invite you to engage, say hi to your friends, let us know what you're thinking, your insights, there's a chat feature, so please check that out. Also, if you'd like to receive prayer, there's a prayer button, so, access that as well and we hope you do and today let's continue let's continue in worship stephanie and the team are going to lead us thanks be to god Let's pray together. This is our opportunity to uh, pray with God and each other. This week, we're in the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's such a different book. It's really a, a book that's engaging. As Pastor Spencer says, some people will love it, others will hate it. But I will tell you, it is really engaging, and it really speaks to the utter honesty of our hearts as human beings, what's on our mind, what we're thinking, wondering about with God as we go through this life and so I invite us in our time of prayer together today is what's on your heart and my heart and how can we and let's be completely honest with God about what's happening in our lives and world and uh, pray with God let's pray together It is so cool, so good to be completely honest with God. Thanks be to God. And now let's uh, continue to pray together. Uh, Holy God and kind, kind Father, we are in awe of you. God, you you are God. And we uh, have relationship with you and you desire to know each of us, to lead our lives, to uh, hear our hearts and minds to do life with us as we are part of your story. So God, really help us to uh, trust you in the mystery that's all that's occurring around us in our lives. You've created us to, uh, to desire to know, to know the future, uh, and while that's good, God, we want to trust you uh, in the mystery, your good mystery, and that we just turn to you today and we surrender our lives to you and uh, give give to you again awe and glory and praise for who you are for you are good it's in the name of the father son holy spirit we pray and now i invite us to continue to pray uh, through the prayer that lord taught us long ago and saying our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen now is the time that we come to and worship when we give back to god it's the time of offering we give back out of all that god gives to us god is so so very generous and kind and gracious and so much more. And your gifts, your tithes, your offerings make a huge difference. Coupled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you're changing the world. And today, we're going to hear from some friends where not only is ministry being sustained, but new ministry is being created that's changing lives. Let's watch.
2: Hi, I'm Mary. You might know in January of this year, Schweitzer launched Flourish, a new community development corporation in Springfield. As a church, we're committed to serving in our community and through our partnership with Flourish, we can make a bigger impact. This summer, we have another opportunity to expand Flourish's outreach ministries in a practical way by sharing our space and resources. For several years, Schweitzer has operated the coach house ministry and a house on the north edge of our campus. This ministry provides housing and mentoring to women in transition. We now have an opportunity to add a second house. This is an example of the partnership we envisioned, using Schweitzer's property and Flourish's resources to transform lives in our community. I'm going to let Jill and Becca now give you some more details about our new Coach House.
1: Hi, I'm Jill. Hi, I'm Becca. And we have exciting news to share with you today. Flourish's Coach House ministry is expanding. We now have two houses. We're able to provide hope and healing for more women and helping them gain independence. Currently, three women call the Coach House home. With the addition of a second house, we can help more women gain life skills, develop relationships, and build a support system. Our second location is in need of some TLC. That's why we're inviting you to come help us get it live-in ready. Becca, our program director, is here to tell you more about this. On Monday, August 16th, we will be cleaning and sprucing out the indoor and outdoor areas of this home. If needed, we will add a workday on Sunday, August 22nd from 12 to 3 p.m. If you are planning to join us, please let us know, there will be food provided. Our hope is to have this new home ready for guests by September. We are even inviting you to help us name this new home. Share your ideas with us on our website. Learn more about Coach House and Flourish at flourishcdc.org. We look forward to continuing this relationship with Schweitzer in the future.
0: You can see how much your giving, our giving is making a difference in lives here on this campus and around the world. Thanks again so much for your generosity. And we can continue to give by going to sumc.co slash give. Thanks for doing that. And now it's week nine of the Way of Wisdom, this series. And here's Pastor Spencer with the message.
3: Well, welcome today. My name is Spencer, and this is part nine of our series we're on called The Way of Wisdom. We are spending our summer months, June, July, August, exploring the teaching that wisdom has in the Bible. And when we use this word wisdom, we're talking about just the everyday choices that you and I make and how we're going to live our life. It's practical. Wisdom shows up every single day. Do we do we live our lives? Do we make these choices or those choices? Sometimes we think about wisdom. We think about like the crossroads moments in life where Life, you have to choose do I move to this city or take that job or marry this person. There's all kinds of big choices we make, which certainly require wisdom. But wisdom also shows up in just the everyday choices. Every day, we have the choice between wisdom and foolishness of of living into what God has for us or or living into what the world teaches us. And it's just the constant choice between uh, wisdom and foolishness. And so this series is exploring those those practical questions about how are you going to live your life on a day-to-day basis? How are you going to treat people? How are you gonna live with integrity and keep your word? What are, how are you gonna spend your money and your work ethic? These are all the questions that come up with uh, with wisdom. Now, so far in this series, we have spent all of our time in one book of the Bible called Proverbs. And Proverbs is, is all about wisdom. That's why we've been there so far. It's all about wisdom. It's these practical choices that we make every single day to be wise or to be foolish. And it shows up again every, every single day. And it's 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 black and white kinds of things that we see in Proverbs. Like you don't need to be a Christian to appreciate the wisdom that comes from Proverbs because it's like everyday kinds of wisdom that we learn here. It's, it's what we teach our kids about this, how life works. And this is what we've been in so far in this series. But today we're gonna to turn the page and we're gonna to go to another book of the Bible that's also about wisdom, but it's about a very different kind of wisdom. And so we're going to go to the book of Ecclesiastes. I encourage you to turn there with me if you have your Bibles open. We're going to go to Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is all about wisdom, but it's a a different kind of wisdom. Proverbs is like black and white. It's blunt. It's clear. It's the kind of wisdom that you teach your kids. This is how life works. You do this. This is going to happen to you. You work hard. You're going to gain wealth. You, 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 you watch your words and treat people well with how you speak about them. Then life goes better for you. You, you forgive people and, and you're going to live in a, a happier life. You don't get in fights that aren't yours and, and you're going to live better. Like it's just, it's just a kind of an if and then this kind of thing happens. And this is the, the logic that we see through Proverbs. And this is true for, for just all of life. And if you live according to that wisdom, it goes well. It's clear. It's blunt. And that's Proverbs. Ecclesiastes though, is a little different because sometimes if you've lived enough life, you realize that, you know what, I can do all the right things. I can live with integrity. I can work hard. I can watch my mouth and watch my words and treat people well and do all those kinds of things that are wise, but it still doesn't work out. It didn't work the way it was supposed to. Or or I can have all kinds of success and achievement and all kinds of learning and education and go through all the right things that I'm supposed to do. And in the end, I look back and I'm thinking, is that all there is? Wasn't there more? And so how do you navigate those times in life? And that's the question of Ecclesiastes. How do you navigate the times where it doesn't work? When, When you're left wondering, wasn't there more? Or why didn't this work? What do I do now? How do I navigate those times? And this is the question that Ecclesiastes brings up. It's not black and white. It's not clear cut. It, it doesn't give us clear answers to what it is we're necessarily supposed to do next, but it's giving us a way of thinking about these times in our life where it just doesn't work. So we're going to today we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We're going to read 1 through 11. If you've never read this book before, I want you to be prepared that Ecclesiastes, in my opinion, is the most honest book in the Bible it is like brutally honest. In fact, you're going to read it and be surprised that these words are in the Bible because it's so brutally honest and doesn't feel like it should be in the Bible. But it's so much wisdom that is packed into here that we need to hear. So I want you to be prepared. Might make you a little uncomfortable, especially if you're a black and white kind of person, because we're going to go through all kinds of gray as we walk through Ecclesiastes. So here's Ecclesiastes chapter one. We're going to read one through 11. Here's how it starts. It says, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Now, the rest of the book is the words of this teacher. Now, we don't know who the teacher is. Our tradition says that the teacher is Solomon. We don't really know that because it doesn't say Solomon. The Bible is not telling us that Solomon wrote this, as opposed to Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1, that specifically names Solomon as the author of most of the Proverbs. Ecclesiastes, on the other hand, we don't know. There's just this teacher, says the son of David. and But tradition has said that it's Solomon. Now, in that tradition, there's also this line of thinking that, that since Solomon wrote Proverbs and he also wrote Ecclesiastes, he must have written Proverbs as a young man when he was achieving and succeeding and writing about how life works and it goes this way and you do these things and it works out for you. And he must have written Ecclesiastes, though, because it's so different as an older man. Maybe looking back on his life and struggling and thinking through some of the choices he made and how things maybe didn't work out the way that he thought they were going to work out. I don't know. We don't know if that's actually how this happened, but it's really interesting to think about whether uh, Proverbs and Ecclesiastes were written by the same person in just very different stages of life. And so here's the words of the teacher. We're going to jump into this verse 2 and we just jump into the deep end in terms of brutally honest writing in the Bible. Verse 2, listen to this. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Let's read that one more time. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Again, this isn't what you expect to find in the Bible, is it? It's brutally honest meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. How do you make sense of this? What do you do with this? Well, this word meaningless is really interesting. I, I'm reading from the New International Version. That's a translation I almost always read from on Sundays. And um, you might have a different translation in, in your Bible and different translations have translated this word uh, meaningless, the original Hebrew differently. Uh, a really common translation, I think the King James says it as vanity. So it's like vanity, vanity, everything is vanity. Other translations might say absurdity. So like Absurdity, absurdity, it's all absurd. And this is his reflection on life, it's all absurd. This this word in the original Hebrew that's been translated as meaningless or vanity or absurdity, it's the Hebrew word chavel, chavel, And chavel literally means this. Listen, it means vapor, vapor, vapor. Everything is vapor. So what is he talking about here? Vapor, vapor, everything is vapor is vapor. Well, think about this for just a moment with me. Think about vapor. Not so much like vaping, but think about like water vapor. Vapor is like here, and then it's gone. It's around you, and you can feel it, and you can experience it, and then it just disappears. It's right with you, and then all of a sudden, it's gone. Life is like vapor. It's here, it's around you, it's, it's experienced, it's felt, and then it's just gone. Vapor, vapor, everything's vapor. And so you think about someone like Solomon, for instance, This maybe he's the teacher who wrote this. And you can imagine Solomon in his older years looking back at his life and thinking about all the things that he accomplished. Because Solomon was one of the most accomplished people in the Bible. Solomon's reign as he was the king of Israel was the best Israel ever had it they uh, had no war during his reign they had all kinds of building projects the temple the palace all kinds of building projects uh, they had prosperity like they had at no other time in Israel's history was during this and you can imagine that Solomon is looking back at his life and he's thinking about all these accomplishments and all the people he's known and he's just imagining it and he's thinking oh my goodness it's just like vapor it's here and then it's gone it was right here and then now it's just disappeared. Life is so short. It just it's here and then it's gone. The ancient rabbis when they were trying to interpret um, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, they had a really hard time with this verse. And so the common interpretation for Ecclesiastes 1 became to think about maybe Solomon was writing this at the end of his life with his son in mind. Because remember Solomon had all kinds of accomplishments. But all of his accomplishments faded away as soon as his son became king. His son was foolish and he uh, led Israel into a civil war that divided the kingdom. It left, lost most of its wealth, all of its prosperity, and all that came crumbling down. And so the ancient rabbis, they assumed maybe Solomon, they, he saw the writing on the wall and he saw everything that he had accomplished. And he realized that it was all just vapor. That in the end, it was going to go away and his all going to be lost. Vapor, vapor, everything is vapor. Now with this in mind, this is kind of the theme of the book. Let's keep reading here and see how life is vapor. let explore deeper here. So verse, um, verse three says, what do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? It says generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. Generations come, generations go, it's all vapor. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, where they return again, all things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. And then there's a really important line for Ecclesiastes. You should underline this if you're reading from your Bibles. There is nothing new under the sun. There is nothing new under the sun. Of course, we need to remember we're reading poetry here. This is not literal. I mean, Solomon or whoever wrote this isn't trying to say that there's literally nothing new in human history or human existence. I mean, clearly that's not true. The the earth is not static. Human history is not static. There are new things that have come upon the earth. I think, you know, there was a time in history where people have had incredible innovations. I mean, there's a time in history, for instance, where like someone came up with like a wheel. Life was different after that. Or in my pocket, I've got an iPhone 12. That's new under the sun. That's not a thing that Solomon or anyone else had during that time. Or I've, I got a, a shot, an mRNA vaccine, new technology, a new kind of thing that's happened. So the point here is not to say that there's no new innovations, there's no new things that happen in life, but rather to say that there are some things that will never change. War, sin, selfishness, wrong-focused ambition, tribalism, those things are not, never going to change. Nor will things like love and joy, and family, and commitment. These things that are just basic longings for humanity, that we might belong to one another. These things don't change. The point here is that life continues without us. The earth continues to spin. Humanity continues to to go forward, and, and nothing is really new in terms of what it means to be human, even though we might have these innovations. Nothing's new deep down in these experiences that we have, and so we keep reading here about this fundamental sameness that we all, that all um, experience. So verse 10 keeps us going. It says, is there anything of which one can say, look, there is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before time. And again, we're talking about this essential nature of what it means to be human here, not, not technology innovations. And he goes on, and says, no one remembers the former generations. Not even those yet to come will, be, will not be remembered by those who follow them the end. <laughs> it's a fun book to read, isn't it? I mean, totally different than you're going to find in, in so many other places in the Bible. It is brutally honest, and you're left kind of wondering, oh my goodness, that's in the Bible? That is so honest. These questions that they're wrestling with are so um, incredibly honest as we as we work our way through here. And, and as, we, as we think about these, these writings in Ecclesiastes, you, you can tell that this is written by somebody who's looking back on a life That doesn't feel like it's full of meaning, that they're questioning the accomplishments, the successes, maybe the ways that things didn't work out, their own failures, and they're wondering to themselves, how do I make sense of this? How do I navigate life knowing that it is just a vapor? It's here and then it's gone. Life is short. And of course, this is a a kind of wisdom that is incredibly profound and incredibly helpful to be remembered, to, to remind ourselves of, that life is just simply vapor, that it's that it's, that it's here and, and, and then it's gone. And of course, this is not the only place in the Bible we read things like this. I think, for instance, about what David writes in Psalm 144. David writes this, he says, Lord, what are human beings that you care for them? Mere mortals that you think of them. They're like a, listen to this word, a breath. The Hebrew word there is chavell, they are a vapor. Their days are like a fleeting shadow. What about James chapter 4 in the New Testament, which is oftentimes considered the, the wisdom book of the New Testament because it's so practical. It's about how life is to be lived. And in James chapter 4 says this What is your life? You are a mist, just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Or Psalm 39 says this Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my Days a mere hand-breath. The span of my years is as nothing before you. Everything is but a breath, chavel, vapor, even those who seem secure. There's this idea in the Bible. We see it over and over again. I could have given you more examples that life is short. It's but a mist. We're here and then we're gone. That our life on earth is temporary. That not everything revolves around us and that when we go... Life will continue. The earth will continue to spin. The sun will still rise. The sun will still set. Humanity will still go forward. They'll still have the same struggles and victories that we've always had, and this will never end. This is the idea here. It just keeps going, but our lives are temporary, and there is so much wisdom in this, but of course, this is not something we normally spend a lot of time thinking about, is it? Of course not, because it's it's incredibly depressing, we don't go around thinking about our death very often, right? I certainly don't, and I don't think most of us do, but but this is a reality that the Bible gives us, and there's an incredible amount of wisdom here, and and, and certainly we don't think about it, but, but maybe there are certain milestones where we are kind of like struck with the reality of how short life is. I think like when you have a birthday, like a monumental birthday, milestone birthday, where all of a sudden your new age ends with a zero, and you're thinking to yourself, oh my goodness, Where did the last 10 years go? Life is going fast. How how in the world did that happen so fast? It's like a vapor. Life is a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. We're just going through it really quickly. Or for me this year, my oldest daughter is going into middle school. And I'm thinking to myself, how in the world did that happen? She shouldn't be that old. I mean, I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. How in the world is she old enough to go into middle school? And some of you hear that and you're like, middle school. Wait till she goes to high school. That's the wake-up call. Where others over you're like, high school, no, no, no. Wait till they go to college, or wait till they get married, or wait till they have kids, or wait till wait till they retire. That's the milestone that life is like a vapor. It goes fast it is short we are temporary on this earth life is here and then it is gone and we need to remember the wisdom that we are not forever here that life is short and we have to remember this this truth because there is wisdom in remembering this when i was in seminary i took this uh this course called uh i don't remember what it's called it was about liturgy which is a fancy way of saying worship so it was about how to like design worship services and that sort of thing and and I don't remember much about the class, just to be po- totally honest with you. I know I got an A in it, which I'm really proud of because it was a really, really easy class. Really easy, not a lot of work. I don't remember hardly anything from that class, except I remember that this professor who taught it, she had this line that she said like all semester long, over and over and over and over again. And the first time she said it, I didn't agree with it. I had to think about it for a long time before I got it. But she, she had this line, she said over and over and over again all semester long. She said, it's the job of the church to teach people how to die. The first time she said that, I was like, "Mm, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It's the job of the church to teach people how to die. I don't don't think that's right. I was like, listen to that. I don't don't think that's right. You know, I'm 23, 24 years old, full of optimism, idealism. You know, I've got big ideas about ministry. I'm studying to be a preacher. I about life. I have these big ideas. I'm like, I don't think that's right. It's the job of the church to teach people how to die because it's the job of the church to teach people how to live, right? to live into the abundant life that's in Christ. That's what he said. I've come to give life, life to the full. That's the job of the church, teach people how to live. But she said, no, no, it's the job of the church to teach people how to die. And I was like, mm, I, don't, I don't know about that. And then a few uh, years later, I graduate from seminary and I get my first pastoral job. And it's maybe just a couple months into my, my first job as a pastor, I do my first funeral. My first funeral was for a 17-year-old boy who committed suicide. Terrible. Like talk about being over your head. I had no idea how to navigate that. Go through that funeral. I'll do a few more funerals. And, and I start to realize that, you know, you do these funerals and as a, as a pastor doing a funeral, you're like this outsider, but you get invited into these really uh, special, private, personal moments for families. And as these families gather to talk about the one they love that they've lost, you, you have this front row seat to this family. That's a really personal, private, holy kind of thing. And and I did enough funerals that I started to notice that for some people, not all of course, but for some people, when they died, they left like this wake of problems behind them. People they weren't talking to, uh, kids or relatives, siblings that they were at odds with for years. Uh, these, these problems would surface and you'd see it in families and it would come up and And after a little while of doing these these services, I started to think to myself, maybe she was right. Maybe that professor was right. Maybe it is the job of the church to teach people how to die. Because our culture certainly isn't doing that. Our culture is teaching people that they never will die. They don't have to think about this kind of thing. It doesn't really matter. They can just live however they want to live. Uh, But maybe it is the job of the church to teach people how to die. Uh, John Wesley, who started the Methodist movement, he used to say about the Methodists, I think this is a really compelling line. He used to say that Methodists die well. Methodists die well. When I mean, he says the word Methodist, he's not using it like maybe how you and I might think about it. Like he's not talking about a denomination that people belong to, but he was talking about this revival that was taking place in his day, that people who were who sold out to the Lord, people who had lived their life on purpose for God, that, that when they die, he's not talking about Methodists, then he's Christians, right? Christians who are sold out to God, have their priorities in place. When they die, they die well, he said. And and that makes sense, of course, because when when Christians die, they they have lived their life focused on the Lord and therefore they've already died to themselves and they're living the kind of life that that matters. Which I think about how Jesus describes being his disciple. I mean, Jesus described being a disciple of him like this, uh, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus? It means that you have died to yourself, that you've put to death things like ambition and greed, and you've put to death in these, these selfishness that, that is so easy to live into, and so as you follow Jesus, you're, you're already learning how to die because you've, you've been putting to death these things that drive so many people. So it's no wonder that Methodists or Christians die well because we've already been living in this model of of our life is being lived for a purpose, for, for a direction. And so looking back, I think about what this professor said. It's the job of the church to teach people how to die. And I think maybe she was right because what we're really saying there is it's the job of the church to teach people how to live and to understand that life is short and that there's no time to waste. And and we can't just let things happen and just settle for second best. We have to live into what God has because life is short. Life is a vapor, which of course is the wisdom of Ecclesiastes, that life is short. It's it's not gonna last forever. This time on earth is limited. And after we are gone, the earth is gonna continue to spin. The sun is gonna still rise. The sun is gonna set. Humans are gonna continue. The world doesn't revolve around us. We have to realize that life is short there's no time to waste, there's no time to settle, there's no time to just be okay with not growing or not being intentional with our lives. Like if life is short, we have to focus ourselves on what really matters. So whenever I read Ecclesiastes chapter one, and I know there's certainly a temptation here to to see this as depressing, um, but I can't help but think about this uh, through the lens of what Paul writes in the New Testament about living an intentional life, a life that that is focused and is directed on where we're trying to go, a life that understands it's short and so therefore is really honed in on what it is that it wants and in that kind of life. Paul describes it like this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games, he's talking about the ancient Olympics, by the way. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. And then listen to how he wraps this up. He says, therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. You see, some people live their lives Like someone running aimlessly. Some people live their lives like a boxer beating the air. They have no purpose, no direction. They don't know what their life is about. They don't know what they're trying to do. They don't know who they're trying to be. They don't know how they're going to handle their relationships. They don't know how they're going to navigate hard choices. They don't know who they are. Don't be like that person because life is short. There is tremendous wisdom in understanding and embracing how temporary our lives on earth are because it calls us to action. You see, I don't read Ecclesiastes 1 and get depressed. I read Ecclesiastes 1 and I get encouraged. I get fired up because it, it reminds me, it's this reminder that I have to have my priorities right, that I, I can't waste time. I can't, I can't just sit on the sidelines while life is passing me by. I have to live for purpose to love God, to love my neighbor, to make a difference in the world because my time here is so short. It's just a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. There is tremendous wisdom in remembering just how short life is. And so for you today, I I just wonder as you listen to this wisdom that we have from Ecclesiastes that that life is short, are, are there things that you need to be doing to focus? to be intentional, to pursue God in your life, to live for His purposes? Are there people that you need to change relationships with because you've just been okay with brokenness? Are there are there addictions or secrets that you've been living with because you just that's you, how your life is going, but if you realize that life is short, it's just a vapor, it's here and then it's gone. We're, we're called to action. We don't wanna run aimlessly. We don't wanna beat the air like a boxer who has no purpose. We wanna live our lives Focused on what God has for us because our time is short. Let's pray together. And so Father, today we hear this word of encouragement from Ecclesiastes that life is vapor. And we don't want to be the kinds of people who look back on our life. Maybe we look back at accomplishments and successes or we look back at how things maybe were struggles and we didn't work the way we wanted to and we have this regret about how life has gone. Instead, we want to be those who run with purpose. Those who train because they know where they're going. They know what life is about and they know where they're leading to. And so for some of us, Lord, we have been distracted. We've not been living intentionally. There are are practices maybe in our life that we need to come back to. Reading the Bible, prayer, uh, giving of our time, our money, uh, serving other people. These intentional things because this is who we want to be. And instead, maybe we've let these things slip. Maybe we just have kind of been drifting through life and we want to lean into you for the purpose that you have for us. Because life is short and it's a vapor. It's here and then it's gone. And we wanna live into your purposes for our life, which are eternal. And so Lord today, would you encourage us, would you challenge us, would you speak to us about how we might need to run our lives on purpose, to train our lives on purpose, that we might be those who follow you fully. In the name of Jesus, our savior, we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks, everybody, for a fantastic day of worship. Thanks to Stephanie for keeping us connected, the worship team for leading us, Pastor Spencer for that great message. We appreciate you. And if you know somebody who could use some encouragement, share this message with them on social media. And we look forward to seeing you back next week for week 10 of The Way of Wisdom. Have a great week. And again, see you next week.